0: to native yoga podcast so happy you are here my goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga massage body work and beyond follow us at native yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com all right let's begin Welcome to Native Yoga Podcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I have the pleasure of bringing Raji Tron to the podcast today. And Raji is the founder and co-director of Yoga Synthesis in Ramsey, New Jersey, which was founded in 1999. Please visit his website, yogasynthesis.com. And you can also check out his personal website, Um, rajitron.com. Those links are in the thing that you're listening to, (laughs) whether you're on YouTube watching or whether um, you're on a podcast listening platform such as Apple and or Spotify. If you can leave a review, thank you so much. It's greatly appreciated. And I had a really incredible discussion with Raji. I'm so excited for you to hear this. And he's got a very rich and vast history and personal practice uh, experience with yoga and the world of yoga. And um, I've heard amazing things about Raji years ago from a student that came and visited. And uh, I happened upon his website and I thought, I wonder, like in the back of my mind, I wonder if this is the Raji that my friend Tim was talking about and it is. <laughs> and wow. All right. I'll let him speak for himself here. Let's get started. I'm so excited to have Raji Trone here today with me. Raji, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thanks.
0: Yay. Um, just to get started here. You're in New Jersey. Is that correct?
1: Well, actually, yeah, we live just over the border in New York, okay, Brooklyn County. So pretty much like Northern New Jersey. Feels the same.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I hear you. And you have a yoga studio called Yoga Synthesis,
1: right? In Ramsey, New Jersey.
0: In Ramsey, wonderful. Mm-hmm. I I feel like somewhere along the way, someone has come into our studio and told me about you before. Um, And I feel like I've I've heard about you over the years. Uh, When I recently... The way that I found your website actually was I had purchased an an anatomy coloring book by I believe a woman that may have practiced or taught for you at your studio.
1: Yeah, she was one of our main teachers for a while.
0: Got it. And in the process,
1: Kelly Kelly Holloway.
0: That's right. And in the process of looking to see like uh, where she was and all, I found your website and then I saw your bio and I was like, wow, he looks he looks really interesting. (laughs) You have a really (laughs) rich history of practice and teaching. So I'm excited to have this chance to ask you some questions about your yoga journey. On that note, can you give me a little bit of a historical perspective about how and when you started yoga practice?
1: Well, I guess I should go back to, I was born in India, in Chandigarh. And my father was a mathematics professor. He was teaching at the university in Punjab, which is In the north, northern India. And that, so we traveled there on a number of occasions. And the time I first learned yoga was when I turned 12, and we were living in Chandigarh at the time. Wow. And so then coming back to the United States, I kind of got into it and got really hooked. This is like mid 70s. Nice. That's the short answer.
0: That's the short answer. That's good. That, that paints a really cool picture to imagine you in India at the age of 12. Like what an incredible age, like eyes are opening. Exactly. And then you find what type of yoga class teacher yoga experience? What was that like?
1: Well, in India, I studied with an old man who was actually in his 80s. He was a friend of our, our family. And he um he passed away that year, and so it was what I would call classical hatha yoga mm-hmm. and it was a very kind of intense time, as you might imagine for me, coming from Boulder, Colorado, where we lived, where I grew up, and I went back to there. That's where my dad at you know, was teaching was a professor,
0: Got it yep,
1: so um so basically, from with the teaching that I got from my teacher there when I was I turned twelve. By the way, his name was Yoginder Paul, which is kind of wild. It,
0: it, <laughs> y- Yog Yoginder Paul. Yoginder. Yoginder Paul.
1: So he was he was a yogi named Yoginder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but uh, he was an older man, and yep. he uh, taught me just basic. Basic hatha yoga. Let's just say that's why I call it classical hatha yoga. Yeah. No, I know not everyone uses that terminology. I like to use that because you know when you have kind of the the standard form that you might see in India, mm-hmm. it's not ashtanga. It's not ashtanga vinyasa anyway, and it's not a It's so it's just you go to any town, any village, you're going to find. Yoga that has a certain, and the, the way it's kind of come to the modern world, yep. modern you know, modern India, it's what I like to call classical Hatha Yoga.
0: Can you paint a picture what a practice session with him would look like then? Well, I'm, I'm guessing classical positions such as like a triangle and... Uh, well,
1: actually, um, so... Sun's classical sun salute was, mm-hmm. or some warm up before it, mm-hmm. you know, like cat cow kind of thing. Yeah. And a cl- classical sun salute is different from the Ashtanga sun salute. You're probably familiar with the, like stepping back, yep. going to cobra, upward dog. I mean, not co not upward dog, cobra, and then downward dog, and and then stepping into the lunge. You know that whole that yes. pattern. Yeah. And then the classical poses really actually in the beginning it was way less standing poses mm-hmm. and more just sitting you know doing forward bends twists hip openers some back bends and inversions was so that kind was... of covering a, a framework of these basic poses but i mean at the time i was really young so it...
0: did he try to impart any information regarding theory or philosophy in with those awesome well, so, orientated sessions.
1: Interestingly, um, after he passed, uh, I was still living in India for a little while before we moved back to the United States. And so, I mean, he he was less philosophically oriented. He was definitely uh, oriented in a certain way, like said, telling you about Mahatma Gandhi and like Indian saints and that sort of thing. Yeah. The um, I met a a younger man whose name was Surinder is actually um I don't know if you're familiar with him, in the Punjab in India, Northern is a lot of Sikh
0: yes the Sikhs,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And so he this guy was definitely a major influence on me philosophically, let's say. We he was actually a, a cricket player <laughs> at the university. He was really into you know being in shape and Um, he wasn't doing so much yoga per se, but he did all kinds of exercise. And um, and we would sit and he would talk to me about basically reality, (laughs) existence, and, you know, how, and, you know, being 12 years old is definitely was a shaking up transformational time for me because there I was having come from, you know, being in this, very kind of what would you call it upper middle class kind of situation and yep. maybe middle class whatever you call it professorial yes <laughs> university university brad you know yep um and going living in india and the first time i ever really saw poverty and you know living at a standard of living that was much lower than i was used to you know sleeping on cots with with a concrete floor yes and, <laughs> yes. and just the whole, the whole thing of seeing, and you know, I could look over the wall from where, where we lived and, you know, there were shards of glass on the top of the wall. Right. And on the other side was a slum. Oh, yeah. And I could see it from our balcony and I'd see these people like basically living right there. So for me, there was this whole interesting awakening on so many different levels, yes. you know, to really the, the blessings of, you know, and you know, knowing that life can be hard, yes, and that you know, and it's like, how do we learn to relate personally and collectively to this this existence, this human existence? So that, there was a lot of conversation that I was having with surrender at the time, going, "What? Why is this happening? Why?" yeah why are people living like this you know yeah so
0: did he have an answer for you (laughs) did he have a did he have any insight? yeah um, yeah
1: he was really into he he personally had gone off to travel around india and he he was like he was in his 20s and he he said he left home he traveled around india and and that's why he was so kind of philosophically inclined yeah and he uh is like, yeah, you know, you you get out there and you see what's going on and it makes you realize certain things. It's like being a wandering sadhu, you know. Yes. You go, uh and I think this is this is part of what yoga, you know, in a way the essence pointing to the essence of it is let go of all these outer trappings, you know. Yeah. And it's holding on to at really almost anything at a certain point. You know, yeah. It's like but I mean, we we do love our creature comforts, don't we? <laughs> but yeah. But still, it's uh, definitely you know there's a certain pointing towards you know austerity or mm-hmm. asceticism. Mm-hmm. And for me at the time, I was like, well, I don't know really, what are you what are you talking about? You know. <laughs> uh, so then you know, actually, as I got further along, I realized, you know what what the implication was, and even now I'm still still trying to. You know, integrate that. It's, and I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm giving you the the nutshell of it very clearly, but it's because uh, it's it's really a lot of different aspects.
0: You are, yeah. No, I think you're doing a great job. I can see what you mean. I I'm trying to imagine myself being 12, or my daughter right now is nine. Like uh, imagining taking her <laughs> and and how her perspective would shift and change being. Raised in America and having an an an, an India experience, were your parents? Um, it's cool they gave you an Indian name when you were born. Were your parents nudging you along in the direction of Raji? Go and study with this yoga man. You know, <laughs> were, were they were they, you know, thinking along those lines, or what? What was that like?
1: So my my parents um, were Quakers. interesting yeah anyway there's a lot of there's like so many different storylines of you know background but yeah but basically um so they you could say they didn't go to india because they were following a guru or or that you know into a hindu thing like some they're like the generation before the 60s got it you know before the hippies
0: yeah
1: i'm actually more in the i'm like the the latter side of the hippie generation (laughs) you know you know what i mean like i grew up i was i was young a young you know whippersnapper when all the hippies were walking around so yeah i'd look at them and go whoa what is going on here People with all the long hair and yeah but and that and so being growing up in boulder was definitely a scene back in the 60s and 70s but so but going back to the whole thing about my parents going to india was really my dad had a sabbatical to teach at the university and but he was really into indian culture and art and and that sort of thing and very and being a mathematician so he's he's kind of this subtle i mean he's more of philosophically oriented and more probably you know from a yoga point of view we call him a gyana yogi right (laughs) he's just he just had a very interesting way of looking at trying to be as objective and truthful and honest about you know the world and reality as as possible you know like kind of like a scientist but in a more um abstract way of you know thinking about things i only realized this later in my life that I, you know, can't appreciate my dad. He's passed yeah, away now. But, yeah. Um, so, the, but the connection of them to yoga is actually it's very um, tenuous. Let's say mm-hmm, they didn't say mm-hmm. go study with this guy or yeah, yep. you know. And even even as I got older, coming back to the United States, I mean, sometimes I joke about my mom being a yoga mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: She would, I was in my teens and she would drive me to the yoga class.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. That's cool. So it's
1: kind of different from some people, you know, like the soccer mom, for instance.
0: Right. And even at
1: that time, time, there were not many yoga classes going on.
0: What was going on in Boulder? And do you mind me asking, Raji, what year you were born?
1: What year? Yeah. Yeah. That means I get to reveal my age, right?
0: You don't have to if you don't want to, I totally understand. I'm just so, so curious. I just
1: I just turned 60, which means I was born in I was well, last December, so Yeah. I say Just a couple of months ago. I turned 60, so 1962
0: is Nice. Got it, got it. So then that means so, when when you were in Boulder at age twelve, coming back from India, we're talking nineteen seventy four, somewhere around there. Four, seven, five,
1: yeah. seven, six. Yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, I've I've heard so many amazing things about Boulder, and I've never been. And I, I guess with oh. the with the Naropa University being there and oh. all the influence of the Tibetan culture and that's and right then, when
1: it was starting. Is that when? Is it? Yeah. So, Chögyam Trungpa. Yeah. And various, you know, various gurus have come and gone through Boulder. But mm. Chögyam Trungpa, he got, I think it was like 73. Yeah. is when he, um, And he established his you know, meditation center and then Naropa later on and all of that. And so here I was, in, again, like I said, in my teens. If, imagine yeah. walking down the street, going to school or coming home from school and seeing a limousine pull up. And roll they're rolling out the red carpet for the guru, you know. Yeah. And they're going, what, what the heck is this? You know, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And I mean we had the Hare Krishna's come yeah, you know, and we had the Siddhi Yoga, whatever. It was a definitely a really interesting time to to yeah, be there. I because bet. yeah, I mean, and like I said, the this awakening of in American culture and when the, the young you could say I was too young. <laughs> I was younger than the people who were having their awakenings, right? Right. But I, I saw it happening, and I kind of went, "Oh, this is interesting."
0: That so is... I went to check
1: out some of the Buddhists yeah. you know, centers, and but actually at the time there wasn't there weren't yoga studios. Got it. There's the only the place that I could find that was a yoga st- studio per se was a Kundalini yoga, a yogi bhajan style. It, it was a cooperative. House where all the yogi bhajan devotees lived together, and they had yoga classes there like four or five times a week, something like that. So that's where my mom would drive me
0: interesting (laughs) to a yogi bhajan inspired kundalini class.
1: So I went from classical Hatha Yoga to Mm, kundalini yoga, very cool. and, And then I just kept exploring, you know, different styles because, well, kundalini yoga, are you familiar with it?
0: I am but I want to hear what you have to say from your perspective.
1: <laughs> we don't like you said before we started this. We don't want to get caught in any drama here right so. <laughs>
0: and you know it's funny because but, I I just recently today somebody actually said wow when the Yogi Bhajan scandal came to fruition and I I'd heard it but just today I had somebody run that past me. Um, so I understand, yeah, we don't have to say anything negative about anybody, but it is interesting. Right. I would like to hear what you have to say about your view on that culture prior to that whole fallout of this, I guess, a sex scandal with, with Mr. Yogi yeah, Bhajan. So yeah.
1: Let me just preface it by saying I've come to a place where I really am outside of the box of any of these traditions okay. and pretty much And you'll see when I answer this question. But basically, I have an intuitive kind of like meter for cult authoritarian trippiness. (laughs) And I I can't say, I mean, maybe it's just how I grew up, you know, and it's uh, like, like I said, my parents being Quakers. I don't know if you realize, of all the religious traditions, spiritual traditions, Yeah, I could just. I like to phrase this as a question sometimes. For if I'm talking to somebody, say, "Can you you name one that's (laughs) non-hierarchical?" No, not many, right? Yeah, the the Quaker, the Society of Friends, as they call it, is as non-hierarchical of religious spiritual tradition as you might be able to find.
0: Interesting. So I didn't know that.
1: So, so having grown up in that, it's really. So I think that's part of what happened is that. I came to the yoga schools and traditions, you know these spiritual yoga traditions. From that point of view, of going, well, why should I this anybody be an authority over me in the sense of any spiritual connection, you know? And so, and even though someone may be very enlightened, more enlightened than you know, I mean, this this gets get into an interesting question, right? Yeah, like relative enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah who's more enlightened you know but right. um but so stepping into kundalini yoga was like that I'm like wow these people are really getting into this you know they're wearing all the you know and i just thought these are these american people and i didn't realize i just came from india came back from india and so having seen india and the indian culture and the way that hindus live you know and again from an outsider point of view but as an american going there going wow this is really wild you know yeah and then seeing and then seeing americans wanting to play out being you know more indian is yeah. was what what yeah. i looked at and I, and, it, and so it's actually it was an interesting reflection a time of reflection for me yeah where i went is you know and and i'll just do a little fast forward since i was born in india when i turned 21 i had a choice to become an indian citizen which is weird to think about too because so it's like do i take on the garb of do do i become indian you know Mm. when i when i grew up really as an american you know and us citizen but then i had a choice and i couldn't become dual you can't become a dual citizen. Of, with India you have to ah, choose right you have to make and a choice so i made the choice to stay so this is kind of emblematic i guess you could say you like i i chose and even when it came to yoga i do like i've seen yoga people get really into kind of trying on the guard of being very hindu and that just never really i mean I, I should qualify and say i think there are some amazing teachings that come out of Indian tradition, you know. Yes. And what you want to call it, Hindu or just Indian or Vedic, or you know, so so I'm not negating that. I'm just acknowledging for myself that yes. I am actually an outsider. <laughs> yeah. From from that, you know, from yep. I'm yep. not. So
0: that's yeah. cool. I appreciate you laying all that out, though. I can feel that you have a deep respect for. All Like you said, all these different traditions and elements that are coming out of the yoga tradition, but at the same time, having the really unique perspective that you had of being born there, raised American, being at the age, too, where I guess maybe if you were coming back from India or maybe your first yoga experience in India is when you were 21 and maybe you're having this sort of like seeking kind of perspective, maybe you would have been more like, I really want to be the India guy, then. It's
1: possible. And, it's quite possible. But
0: it's yeah. cool to hear from that angle of like, well, I have seen it. I saw it firsthand, up close and yeah. personal, from the mind of like a twelve-year-old experience. And so you come back to the states, you see people trying to all be, want to be like something different than what we are, because it just seems like it's got to well, be better.
1: It's got to be better. So it's so it's interesting because in a way, I decided not to do it on the external level because. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, but, uh, but incorporate yoga into my life yep. Yep. more as a practice and an internal thing, yep. you know? Yeah. So, um, was that a hard, you know, it was, kind de- of interesting. was that
0: a hard decision to make when you were 21? Was that like, was that, did that well, take you six months to decide or was it like, a okay, I got this choice to make. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Like, was that a hard one to make?
1: I think it was a natural kind of. Yeah, feeling of being being here in this culture and not wanting to feel alienated and not wanting to i mean i guess maybe it's a a, a level of conformity that you know um you know it's funny because even to the point where people almost automatically think i'm indian sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but and having been born in India, having an Indian name, it's it's almost like, okay, you're you're an Indian. Like some of my best friends Yeah, would say. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought you were Indian. I thought you were Indian all
0: too. these years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> do you mean uh, you're what do you mean you're from Quaker America? Like what? <laughs> all
1: right. Yeah. So but basically, but then, you know, I mean I guess it's kind of becomes this my secret you know yeah, that's, cool. Good life. that's cool that's <laughs> cool you know, i dig it yeah yeah like i go yeah. i go out, do my yoga practice in the morning i'm doing you know my breathing practices you know doing you know i'm experimenting with cold showers because you know i mean this is all becoming very popular these days right right but like in kundalini yoga they're really into you know waking up early and doing these breathing practices and cold showers that sort of thing now Vimhof is making it you know yeah like, trendy Very much what about. yes but, um so so basically i realized at a certain point that i can be who i i am <laughs> whatever that means you know my true being doesn't have to be like it doesn't i don't have to engage in any of any particular cultural trappings if i don't want to you know
0: yeah See
1: that. But but also I mean the thing is here we are in America right so to to be more like a flamboyant yogi so to speak um was an option and I I, I did mm. kind of go a mm. little bit in that direction but then it was kind of like you know I want to fit in it was see this part of it is like you said about being younger yeah. and going through this. Because here I am in you know junior high and high school, <laughs> and and I'm pract- I'm starting to practice yoga more and more as I'm getting up and even to the point where I was doing pretty intense practices during high school for on my own right. Wow! I mean, I would go take different classes, but I was already a self practitioner, like and- self
0: inspired. Like here, I'm going to get up before my mom and dad are going to make me get up, and I'm going to do yoga practices without any like specific following of a specific teaching, like for example, like say I'm going to do primary series or. Um, so that came
1: later. So that year. So in my twenties is when I okay. encountered it was like Richard Freeman. Wow. So we can jump, we can jump ahead if you want. So basically, yeah. I mean, I'm I
0: fascinated a, one way or the other, but I, yeah. Uh,
1: classical. I was really doing a kind of blend of like classical hatha yoga and Kundalini yoga. And, um, and that's really what it's interesting. Is it started so blended? So then I could, I just never stopped mm, blending at a certain yeah. point, even though I started getting into ashtanga. So if you if you just like fast forward post high school, so I was already practicing a lot in high school, and I went to college, and I was practicing, and I'm like doing yoga out on the campus in my school. People yeah. going, oh my god, are you? What are you doing there? And so I'm doing yoga, and they, they and so. They said, Can you teach me? So I started teaching at the physical education department at the school. Cool. And which I'd never been, now don't tell anyone this, right? But (laughs) I hadn't taken a teacher training or anything. I just went, Okay, I'll start teaching. Sure. And so, but then I got, went back to Colorado from, you know, between um, semesters, I guess you could say, or maybe it was the summer. One of the summers between, I think it was my, first semester my first year in college go back to boulder and that's when i see this workshop with an iyengar teacher named richard freeman
0: so he (laughs) originally i didn't know that his he originally was teaching iyengar yoga
1: yeah so he was teaching these really like deep intense Wow. Iyengar based, and then he would pull out his harmonium at the end and, and oh, do yeah. all this like goddess chanting, you know. Like, <laughs> but um, was it it was a pretty tripped out scene, you know? But oh man, and, but to have Richard teaching Iyengar is actually also really different than your typical Iyengar teacher because I don't know if you're familiar with Richard, but he he really has this like amazing out there he's a he's a true yogi you know he's amazing so,
0: i had a chance to practice with him he's so interesting
1: yeah yeah beautiful practice beautiful yes. man Yes. so um so i was just amazed going like i was just floating let's say after i got out of <laughs> yeah. you know, several of his workshops just like wow i love yoga and he's yeah. such a great teacher and <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> just uh so then I went back to school and came back and looked for him again. Like, where's this guy, Richard Freeman? And so, people that I knew said, "Well, he's with his new guru, Patabi Joyce, studying in India." So he he went and he studied in the, with with Patabi Joyce for like six months straight, and and then he, you know, the classic story about Richard, which is, I mean, I hope you know he doesn't feel offended by me saying this. And there's no, I mean, this is like one of those. It's complimentary, Which basically, the first day he got there, he learned first series. The second day, he learned second series, and the third day, he did third series. <laughs>
0: so is that, and that tells and that's you a true is that a true story? Do you think?
1: I, I'm pretty. That's the story I heard. <laughs> in
0: three days, first through third, in three days.
1: Uh huh. And so Holy it tells you something. About it does. WG. Yep. What Patavi Joyce was doing at the time, because he had less yep. students and he wasn't nearly as, he wasn't holding back. Yep. And it tells you something about Richard. So Richard could just do everything.
0: He could actually keep up. Yeah.
1: He's just like, oh, do this. Okay. Do this. Okay.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. That is a good swear. I, I didn't hear, I haven't heard that one yet. All right. So, yeah. And All so right. that, that was my, <laughs> so then
1: Richard comes back from India and I started studying Ashtanga with him. And that's, when, did he remember you? Did he
0: remember? When, did he remember you from your Iyengar classes with him?
1: I, you know, what? it's interesting. I think he might have, but uh-huh. and I'll tell you, my first experience walking into the Ashtanga studio, okay, yeah, which is the yoga workshop, and he had just recently opened it, like when I got back from being in school, and so I go in and he had, he's doing Mysore, right, and so he says. Oh, just follow Annie. So I don't know if you know Annie. I don't remember what her last name is right now, but um, Annie is a pretty well-known Ashtanga teacher.
0: Annie Pace?
1: Yeah, yeah, Annie Pace. Yep. So uh, she was Annie's, she had a different last name at got that it, time. Got it, And um And so I walk in and she's doing second series. And I had never done Ashtanga before. And he said, well, just follow her. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, a salute. Oh my God, what the heck? And I had never done jumping sun salutes like that before.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: to so, jump was, in on second,
0: was, why not? Maybe there is brilliance behind that. Maybe uh,
1: it just it, it was is one of those what it moments is. Where yeah, I, it was like, oh my god, this is what yoga can be like. Wow, wow. wow. So yes, so I, I really, I basically fell in love with Ashtanga, and because it's it's like it had everything that I had been looking for, mm-hmm. co- along with having Richard as a teacher, because because he's always weaving in this deeper aspect, you know, yes. so the, what he would refer to as the inner form, right? Yeah. And so it's like, you're going, you're not just doing athletic, intense, deep Hatha yoga poses, which is one of the things I really loved about Ashtanga, but um you're also just diving in, you know, connecting in the whole time. And especially with his guidance, you just, do, that's what he wants you to do you know? yeah, yeah so um so yeah ashtanga was a real major i guess you could say turning point because i was already a pretty disciplined practitioner but then it gave me this as you know right so this feeling of oh i can just do this vinyasa practice you know and, let, and have it help me to progress Because, you know, this is one of the questions I ask, you know, it's like, which style, if you were to pick a style that is going to really help you progress physically, like become a real adept or adept, however you want to say that, you know, um, physically speaking, you know, you go, well, you know, Kundalini is not doing it. They, they're going to give you a lot of energy work, right? But, and, In yoga, restorative yoga, Iyengar, well, yeah. But the question is, how do you progress? You know, Mm -hmm. Iyengar Mm -hmm. doesn't give, like, distinct practice methodology the Mm -hmm. way that, I mean, and that's why they call it a practice method, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Shtanga Vinyasa, the practice method. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. And that's where I, I really felt that the moment I stepped in that, I was like, wow, this is truly a strong practice. That can take me somewhere and so that's why i stuck with it for for years i still still come back to it i kind of gone a little bit away you know out of the fold that's a whole other discussion i guess but
0: oh my gosh Raji, yeah this is amazing i'm mean, gonna I have so many questions for you um the first one when was your then first practice session with Patabi Joyce? Was it with Richard in Colorado or was it in yeah, so, India?
1: So Richard had Patabi Joyce come to Colorado to teach and it was 1989. So he, Patabi Joyce had done a couple of different, you know, tours. Uh, but there, there weren't that many before that. This was like one of the, one of the first. Yeah. And cause what Patabi Joyce would do, he'd go, I'm trying to remember. I don't think he went to New York in the beginning.
0: Just Encinitas, maybe, and uh... yeah.
1: So it was Colorado because Richard, and then yeah, Tim because of Tim Miller in Encinitas, and then in Hawaii. That's right. Um, Trying to think of the the Hawaii. Was it um Nancy? Nancy Gilgoff. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) those were the I think the three main stops that he did in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and so he was on you know doing that, and he to Colorado and that's when I went oh my god I gotta, gotta go to, to Mysore <laughs> It's like how can I not you know? yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so you already have indie uh, experience so it's not like it's this crazy new cultural thing that you won't know how to navigate like you have a little you got some chops there you've yeah, had I a mean, great teacher still- here in Colorado you're practicing with Richard yeah. Freeman so you're getting like maybe even a better experience just practicing there than anywhere else. Um, so then I'm curious, what was your thoughts, feelings, and vibe on your first Mysore session?
1: In, in India? In India, yeah. Oh yeah, so, um, uh, so, well, I'll, I'll just tell you what, so I traveled through Europe on the way to India. Wow. And I was trying to like stay in shape, so I'm like doing my routine in the morning and at night before I go to sleep, because I, I actually traveled kind of like, Almost a month on my way, and so when I get there, so I, I had been in Germany, and I thought, oh, I got to bring something along. So I, I brought because you know when you come to the, the yoga shala, you know I don't know if people do this anymore, but I, I felt like we had, I had sent a letter to Pachabi choice saying hi, I studied with Richard, and I'd love to come and study with you. And I never heard anything back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then okay. they just
1: said, well, just, you know, you just go. It's going to be fine. You know? Just, just so, and so I go and I, I, I had a little like interesting like Mayan, like silver Mayan calendar and pendant that I got. I don't know why I even thought this would be cool. But, and then I got some <laughs> German chocolates and I bring them and I go to the, knock on the door. And I, I say, and he he comes. Well, actually, I think it was his <laughs> wife, Amaji, right? Uh-huh. That answered the door, and I say, "Hi, I'm here to study with Guruji," <laughs> right? And and then she goes, "Oh, um, you know, I, I don't know what she, she would call him, but so he comes to the door, and <laughs> he's like wearing his just, you know, the the typical like he's wearing his dhoti like a wrap and and a whatever shirt, yeah. Um, uh, so. Basically he comes and goes, you know like, what do you want kind of thing. <laughs> and so oh, Guruji, I'm here to study with you. I'm, I'm a student of Richard Richard and he goes, "Oh Richard, oh yeah. and I said, here these are for you." And he's like, "Oh, thank you oh, you know he, you know his, his English was not great. Yeah. so I said, yeah. Um, yeah. so can I can I practice?" And he goes, oh, yes, practice And so come come at 4:30 tomorrow yeah like 4:30 a.m or something I, I actually forget i think it was maybe a little later than that because the the indian students this is what this is when he had the little studio in the back of his house so
0: in La- uh, lakshmi 1990 Purim? was it Lakshmipuram or is that lakshmi
1: Purim, yeah <laughs> yeah 1990 uh and so yeah it's it's hard to even dredge up all the memories right now, but basically yeah. I lived in a, well, first, I lived in a, a hotel and then I moved into a, a house that was being rented by a bunch of Ashtanga students. Yeah, And um, so basically I get up, got up and my first day, you, you were asking that question. So basically that's kind of uh, I guess I would say it was exhilarating, exciting, Intimidating, and all of that, all at once. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they uh, come and show up at the door, you know, and looking in, and I couldn't quite get into into the studio yet because it was full with people. So then you wait outside the door, and and then you know someone moves to the finishing room, which was upstairs, and so then then as you, you you get your spot, and so basically you just get to do so. My thing with Tabi Joyce at that time was I said, Guruji, I've, I haven't i have practiced in a while. And so, and I, I was doing first series with Richard Freeman, but um, if it's okay with you, maybe I'll just do half first series and, you know, just get myself going. And he's like, oh, no problem. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: that's, you know, usually that means going up to Navasana, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then, so basically it went. And and he also pretty much stayed hands-off for several weeks. I was there from August to um, left in February. So wow. I was there for a while, too. Yeah. And um, so I basically went through getting all of first series and then all of second series in the time that I was there. Nice. And so, yeah, it was it was that's intense. Wow. That's, that's being solid. in that room, yeah. You know, you just you hear him shouting out every now and then. He's working the room. It's just sweaty, and you hear Ujjayi breath, just like mm, you know. And it was intense. It was it was yeah. great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was perfect. it was a perfect thing for what I you know for where was. I was. I I would say that I went from being fairly adept to being much more adept (laughs) in in four months you know just like
0: that's amazing
1: things like where he he would come up and do adjustments and i know he's gotten a bad rap sometimes for some of the adjustments and i'll just say you know right here whoever gets to watch this doing adjustments appropriately and carefully is important and uh, but when it's when you're given a great adjustment at the right time and, you know, the right for progression in your practice, all that, it can be a major accelerator for your, you know, your practice. It's just And if it's done consistently, that's what's so beautiful in a Mysore room, you know, with Patabi Joyce, or if you're with another Shtanga teacher, you know, where if you're giving consistent adjustments in the good way, you can really see a difference.
0: It's amazing, and isn't it? You,
1: you feel it feels so amazing. So it does. That's why I I definitely remember getting these deep adjustments, and um, you know that classic adjustment where you're utita um, hasta That's where you're, you know you're balancing big toe mm-hmm. go forward, and then you're supposed to pull pull it in close at the end. Yeah. And some people, you know, they would like reach around and just bring the bring their leg up. And Patabi Joyce would come up and give you this like full on, I don't know if in the, in the last years, probably he didn't, he never did that much anymore, but in the earlier years, he would come up and so there's the, there's the kind of like hold the leg and hold the body and bring them together like this kind of adjustment. But then there's the straight on, you know, he'd put your leg on his shoulder and basically you're doing a standing an upright standing split and he would just go like a bear hug <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know your leg is on and he just like pulling him, and you're like oh my god <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: so i mean there for for those who were able to handle the intensity of certain adjustments it was yeah. an amazing thing and then other people actually did get hurt at times and that's yeah. is yeah. not a good thing yeah so, yeah
0: yeah it was just the nature of the game at that moment, right? I mean, it was what it was. Yeah. And <clears throat> I hear you. I hear you. That's amazing, Raji. I love hearing about your, I love hearing your story. It's really <laughs> cool. I like your perspective. I'm curious. Okay. So you've, you've had this uh, realization or you have a good, say, uh or, <laughs> or cultometer. And yeah. So then the experience, I remember when I was in Mysore, I, I was like, I'm, I, I don't want to, I didn't feel comfortable touching Patabi Joyce's feet. Uh, just something about that really triggered me and it made me, um, just from my own personal Western upbringing, something about that gesture, which I'm aware in India is not much, it's still very respectful gesture, but maybe isn't terribly different from us shaking hands here in the West. Like it's a way of, Honoring and showing yeah. respect, and I've seen Indians like like um, say someone would see their grandma, and so they go up and just bow down and touch grandma's feet as a way of saying, Absolutely. I "Have a lot of respect for you, grandma." Yeah,
1: it's an honoring of the elder, and uh, it's an honoring uh, of a teacher, and it's an honoring of you know. So, and um, and
0: from my from my more, yeah, please
1: yeah, co- well, it's more of, normalized yeah. for that in India mm-hmm. as a gesture that's not like like you're not. You know, giving all your power away, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. and here, of course, you're like, What? What is this? it seems really strange? So how, when did, how Joyce did you came I to
0: got York, I gotta ask you real quick. How did you navigate then well, whether or not you wanna tell me if you did touch Patabi Joyce's feet or not? But I did. And and don't do you feel that you were able to still maintain your autonomy and not fall into a cultish guru following situation within that process, or do you feel you did maybe slide a little over off of your Quaker philo- <laughs> philosophy upbringing um, and and have and no, then navigate I, back? Can you explain a little bit so, about yeah?
1: Yeah, let me let me just thank say you, sir. Okay. I think it's possible if you step into more of an Indian way of thinking to be like well let me let me put it this way. I think of myself as having many gurus. I've had many throughout my life I have many that I hold in high regard that I respect and even the some of them that have fallen from grace so to speak, <laughs> uh, you know, or maybe have you know in our society and the stories that are told, they're they have their human frailties, right? I do too, and so not that I have any sexual scandals.
0: But, <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, but just <laughs> to be clear, I actually do have a, a high <laughs> yeah. level of honor. But I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, but basically,
1: <laughs> I mean, I I see these gurus, these collective gurus that I have. And actually I, I think of it as going back even so you know they they talk about parampara, you know, the the lineage of gurus. Well, I really think this is a thing. This is really I mean, for humanity in general, we have all these great wise souls and teachers that have, you know, passed knowledge and techniques and practices down and and in a way they're just transmitters, right? And so, yeah, they're they're human humans, and they have their human frailties, and they lived in a particular culture where maybe they were very patriarchal or abusive, even, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and we have that in our past too. Yeah. But um, but so but then the question is, can you filter out like the wise teachings and acknowledge the guru, the the relevant enlightenment teachings? And maybe not necessarily, I'm not bowing down to Patabi Joyce himself, you know. Understood. Because, I mean, he's just a human. Or Iyengar, even though I respect Iyengar immensely. And I know he also had his issues, you know. But Or all these other gurus, like these Buddhist. speaking of, you know, growing up in Boulder and seeing the whole rolling out of the carpet for Chogyam Trungpa. And just going, wow, this guy is really high on his <laughs> yeah. pedestal, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I don't really understand that. Yeah, and I'm not going to bow down to him, but I will acknowledge that he had some pretty amazing teachings. Yeah, that he was transmitting. You know, they're not, and they they go beyond him. That's the beauty of that's the beauty of yoga teachings. Yeah. And so, um, Ashtanga as a form goes beyond choice too right and all these dynamic kundalini forms the intense you know movement and breathing they go beyond yogi bhajan they go back you know so so it's really i like to think more in terms of a collective and a transmission of you know so it's it it makes it easier for me to because i'm not going to bow down to really anyone (laughs) and not in that way but To touch someone's feet to me doesn't mean that I'm giving away my power and my authority. And I'm not saying, I'm going to do anything you tell me. (laughs) Yes. That's well said.
0: That's well said, Raji. When I finally got the gumption up to go ahead and do it, um, it was a, personally, it was a really nice experience because it was like I felt like I was holding on to this, like that struggle that comes with thinking that. I shouldn't give up my power. And in some respects, actually just surrendering is a really beautiful, amazing thing. And I, but I love the way you navigated explaining the reverence for the teachings through the individual, as opposed to the actual worship of the human element, the the personality part. So that that's, that's cool, man. Good, great stuff. Yeah
1: has certain advantages yeah
0: good point you know, right also, yeah you know, because yeah because when it
1: comes to india and cultural mm. things and the guru dynamic even if, so the yoga tradition a lot of people will, will say the guru, the only way you can be enlightened or have you awaken your kundalini or whatever <laughs> is by having the guru touch you or you know give you your you know the grace and that's something that I think, so along with so many of the interesting trappings of that are there within the culture, Indian culture, that's one that I think it's important to reframe or, you know, question when it comes to, and so for me, the reframing yeah. is, is yeah. maybe the best way of putting it because yeah. it's like, yeah, I want to acknowledge that these gurus are, have, you know, are, are helping me and I've taken on so much from, from them that have helped things that have helped me. And yet it's not really so much about them at all. it's You know what I mean? So it's um, so how do we reconcile, I guess, the question yeah. is that for me, yeah. I reconcile it by reframing it and going, well, I can, I can go with this as long as it means this. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And
1: it doesn't mean, you know, um, whatever you might think is like, you have to devote your life and all your belongings. And, you know, so this is where, where the whole guru trip gets really wild. You know, you know, all the stories about like Rajneesh and whoever else.
0: (laughs) I bet you. Yeah. It's a, it's a long list, right? Do you feel like in, I don't know if this was just me, but I remember round about, I want to say like somewhere between 2020 and 2022. In with all of the elements that were going on in terms of our own popular culture here in America and the global element of a pandemic, it seemed like there was this like. Another guru was coming out with a scandal, another guru scandal situation, another, like, and then coming across from the meditation world, from the Tibetan Buddhist world, from the, all these different, like, it was like a reckoning, all like a storm of reckoning. Did you get a feeling for that too, or Because you've been, you have a longer, you have an incredible long-term perspective, at least I think from what I'm hearing, I'm, I'm really digging this, uh, you know. <laughs> Or have you, have you, has this been something you've been watching consistently all along? Or do you feel like there was a big storm all of a sudden? What what is your take?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got a call from Richard during, during COVID. Um, It's actually the last time I spoke to him personally, talking about dynamics around what was going on in the Ishtanga world with Tabby Joyce. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of a more minor storm, I guess, maybe. Compared to, I mean, the the Yogi Bhajan thing has really blown up, and yeah, it's it's. I think the reckoning is good. I mean, you know, yeah. So it's it's just a matter of how we, because it just shows us where where certain parameters of what of appropriateness, it you know are. Yeah. It's like now you know. It, you know, it, don't give up your power. Like, I mean, the Bikram thing is, you know, it's it's. I didn't. Let me just put it this way. I didn't really know the depth or the, you know, how crazy some of these things were. You know, and so it's kind of like, oh, well, it's it's actually good to know and to, you know, be clear. So, like, when I had this conversation with Richard, I went to our website our studio website, and he just said, I just want to be clear, you know, we do not condone any, <laughs> you know, it's like, and I think Richard did the same thing. He was yeah. like, no. look, I may be an Ashtangi. No, I'm not going to speak for Richard. I'm sorry, Richard. Again. <laughs> I'm speaking for myself here, just to say, it's like, you know, whatever happened with whatever teachers, I personally, in my studio, do not condone any of these Things and yes. you know, yes. So it's, so it's it's just made it very clear. I think it's like yeah, you you, you that's know that's point. what the reckoning
0: is it, all about. You it know? Really it's like you go,
1: People yeah. need to just wake up yeah. and say, yeah. you know, yeah, okay, you're maybe you're such a great yogi, and you're in your little your little denial world over here or something. Because <laughs> you know? because I think and there's a lot of denial that yeah. that happens. Because everyone wants to have their safe, well, I mean, there's, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. keep it, like, in their fantasy in a a certain way. Like, oh, he's perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but busting the bubble of the fantasy is, um, like, uh, you can go through the dark night of the soul when that happens, right? I mean can be traumatic but ultimately Absolutely. it's a very a liberating I mean, with, experience yeah
1: you're familiar with the old anusara dynamic. oh gosh too. well that's
0: I'm so glad you're bringing that up because when I read your bio I saw that you have that this this history of practicing with the 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 old school shanga crew and then John friend and I thought wow he's 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 seen all of it he, he, yeah so I I, know, still, right, right. I still
1: think of John Friend as a as a friend because mm-hmm. <laughs> no, sorry, it's a pun, but in a way, because yeah. um, he came to Richard's studio back in the day and he was teaching I you know, couldn't anger alignment mm-hmm. for Ashtangis mm-hmm. and he was a friend of Richard's and and then he started developing the whole Anasara thing. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't even really tell you all the details of what happened with him. You know, because I don't even really know. But all I know is that it kind of, it, it just had this curve of uh, Anisara grew, 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 grew. It like had a pretty steep curve of getting really popular. Very I actually fast. went to see him and study with him a couple of times when he was in New York. And this big scene, you know. <laughs> and as you, I mentioned, I go there and I go, whoa, this is interesting. You know, this is turning into like, Remember the the guru meter? <laughs> yeah, the,
0: the meter went <laughs> up. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it was like he went from being this really like laid back, casual. Mm. Well, he was still pretty, but pretty laid back and casual. Just, just suddenly he had this huge following.
0: Yeah,
1: and so and I think, you know, and I don't even really know how to evaluate it and just yeah. say what yeah. happened, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's I was already an outsider coming in you know i was really the ashtangi at that at, in those early days going to the anusara world you know yeah, <laughs> and yeah guy, okay yeah. this is interesting yeah. i wonder what he's doing here yeah And um let me just call myself ashtangi i guess yeah just you know an easy way of speaking because i was definitely much more into you know as a hardcore kind
0: of shtanga vinyasa practitioner for a while i understand i understand you know i remember i was i was uh living in san diego my wife and i had a bikram yoga studio we we had had trained under bikram so yes i can attest to there was some craziness going there and Mm -hmm. um and was practicing with tim miller and Encinitas, and i remember um hearing about John Friend and the rise of popularity that you're talking about. And I I feel like in the Ashtanga community, there was this little bit of like beef almost like the storyline I remember hearing was that John Friend kind of, uh, took his own little version of Iyengar and Ashtanga, took, stole a little something from Richard. I don't know how true that is. Like the 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 twisting principles and the spiraling ideas that maybe he had like borrowed. But I mean, everything's borrowed these days. So I mean, to say like we take exactly. something from somebody, I mean, realistically, come well, on, everything. You want to
1: hear, uh, so Except I, it, yeah. I would like to say I was there in certain moments in Boulder, Colorado, when Richard, I, I heard Richard and John discussing, you know, these universal alignment principles as you know, which was, yeah. came the name that actually, I think John friend tried to copyright it or whatever. Mm. I think he did, but I mean, you can always just change the name of a word around and then copyright. Yeah. The alignment. Yeah. X or alignment B. And then it's yeah. your copyright. But, yeah. <laughs> but Basically, what both of them had studied with Iyengar, right? Both of them were pretty much in the same level of progression in Iyengar. Um, I think John Friend was a junior level Iyengar teacher at the time when he kind of jumped off to develop Anusara. Richard, I'm not sure if he ever, what level he became, but I know he was in Iyengar for about 10 years. And, And so... But he you know became the Ashtangi that he is. And so then basically John friend comes and we're sitting over lunch, you know like we he, John friend would teach a workshop and then the teachers from the studio, I was teaching there at the time, we would go and have lunch together and all this discussion around you know like reversal mm-hmm. alignment and so on. So really, in a way, the discussions between Richard and um, John, became the basis for a lot of what Anusara now there is a slight difference in perspective that I noticed and have noticed over time is that with John Friend's way of talking about the principles is that they have a certain progression you know he goes like the five you know I've I've memorized them in case if you ever want to know (laughs) but uh, cause I was really into, you know, I'm, I'm a studious kind of guy. So I just kind of go, okay, I'll learn this. I'll just absorb it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and so, and then I like to see what different people are saying about different things and just go, yeah. okay, well, what's the yeah. difference between yeah. what yeah. John friend is saying and what Richard says. And Richard is much more like, he doesn't, you don't, you can't pin him down very well. You never really can. Right. So he's very smart that way. Say so you go, Richard, which one is it? Organic or muscular? <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, you know. Because I mean, one thing that everyone can probably agree on is about setting the foundation of a pose, right? <laughs> it's like set the foundation.
0: Yes, yes.
1: But, but you know, but then how? How are you gonna set the foundation? <laughs> how are you gonna which okay, which spiral comes first, Tom? Mm-hmm. Todd, sorry, Todd. Yeah. God, which spiral comes first, inward spiral or outward spiral? Well, you know, I mean, ultimately, and you know, it's just this. So, this is what I like to say about it. Just to wrap this up, is to say, ultimately, it's about a balancing act that we're we're yeah. we're in in the midst of, right? Yeah, Shiva Shakti. They're, you know, are they always going to be in perfect? You know, they're they're doing their dance. Yes, that's what that's a that's, a, that's yes. a Richardism. That's
0: a Richard answer. <laughs>
1: my, my early days with Richard, he'd always talk about you know yeah. the pubic bone and the tailbone and the dance, and they they kind of meet in the bedroom chamber, <laughs>
0: it's, <laughs>
1: and it's Shiva and Shakti. You know, so it's like you're just always in the midst of, and that's how Mulabanda, That's how you talk about Mulavanda and I'd be like. What, Richard, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so to hear to hear Richard going up into that very esoteric world, and I mean even philosophically, he's doing this. Yeah. And then, yeah. but then John takes it and he he makes it into a thing. You know, it's like he goes, "Let's take Shiva looks like this, and Shakti looks like this, and we're going to make them, you know, like is." is the inhale Shiva or is the exhale Shiva? Uh. <laughs> it's like rip. And, you know, of course you dive into it and you go, well, they're both there in both.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause they're there. Everything is intertwined. That's what Tantra is. Right. So, so you basically, I know I'm getting a little carried away here, but so, but if you want to make it into some marketable, easy box to, you know, yes. Go, yes, Yeah. You know, do this first, then this, then this, and this is what we call the new paradigm of yoga. And, and, you go well, it's just not so easy.
0: Yeah.
1: So you can see why I'm really still very much a student of Richard because, because <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with this whole model of you. There's a kind of an absolute, yeah. Yeah. Or like this, 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 and this, yes. and this represents this and this represents that. And, you know, it's like, um, okay, well, that could be useful. Yeah. Go ahead. Give me another question. I'll... No,
0: this is great, Raji. And what I'm realizing is that I budgeted an hour for us to chat. Yeah. And, I'm, and I think we should have budgeted the five-hour podcast. <laughs> on that okay. note, On that note, can we do a part two and beyond? Because I still have a lot of questions for you. And I really want to hear more about your ideas and thoughts about alignment in specific poses. I got a chance to go to your website. Um, Everybody listening, check out. Um, Can you tell us the... Well, I know you have your personal website. Your studio website again, Raji, is...
1: Yoga
0: Cool. And then you have your personal one, which is Rajitron.
1: Rajitron.
0: Trone. Thank you.
1: R-A-J-I-T-H-R-O-N.com. Cool. But really it's, it's the yoga synthesis one. That's the okay. most active because that's where all the classes are happening. So.
0: And, and, and uh, Raji, I have to ask you, um, I think I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to make the connection here. Right. Um, did you ever have a student named Tim Foster?
1: Yeah, I know
0: Tim. That's how I know you. Cause Tim comes practice here and he used to rave about you. He had said so many really? great things about you. Yeah. So he um yeah. he
1: lives in Montclair, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's why
0: I yeah, first, so when heard, I first heard, that's out. when I first heard about it. he goes, I practiced with this guy named Raji. He's amazing. He has this amazing history with yoga. And um <laughs> and so as we were as you were talking, I'm like it, it dawned on me. That's that's where I initially had heard about you. Um, yeah, That's so cool, man. Well, I I so well first thank you. Please, yeah, you can. Well, yeah, keep. Let's keep going. Okay. I want mean, to. I want to
1: vinyasa yoga.
0: Wait, keep it up, keep it up. I want to see the. Co- I gotta put my glasses on so I can see the cover more properly.
1: String
0: yeah, vinyasa yoga. Nice. Hey. Can you lift it a little higher so I can see what it says on the bottom? The. Uh, will you read it to me? It says,
1: Yoga Synthesis Guide to Dynamic Sequencing with Hundreds of Photos and Instructions.
0: (laughs) Nice, Raji. Dude, I (laughs) didn't know you had that book. That looks amazing. All right. Also,
1: I have this breathing book, which is called One Breath.
0: Nice. Cool, man. They're they're both
1: available on Amazon, of course.
0: All right. I'm going to make a purchase as a a way of saying thank you, as one simple gesture to say thank you for... For um joining me here, and i hopefully you'll be open to me sending you another invite because I do have more questions, yeah. Raji, and I really enjoyed hearing your stories, and I love the way that you're balanced in your outlook on this, coming at it from an angle of like let's be honest and real here mm-hmm. yeah, man, this is refreshing, and I really enjoyed this so.
1: Thanks for reaching
0: out. Yeah, man. Hope, Thank
1: hope It's all going well down there. Maybe Thank come you. down for a visit sometime. I'd that love would, to be in Florida when it's so cold up here. That would be
0: incredible. <laughs> I'd love to host you for a workshop. And if you could come down like this time of year, Jan or Feb, when this is yeah. when the weather is like glorious and, and I'm really thankful to have the connection. I love hearing about somebody and, and finally here I get a chance to, to meet you. So um, yeah. this well, has been, thanks. this has been a real honor and a real treat. Um I will I will reach out to you and um thank you.
1: Thank you. Take
0: care. <laughs> Namaste, Raji. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Native Yoga Podcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at NativeYogaCenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it, and review And join us next time.